Why, hello, beautiful people. Today we have an, an amazing book. It's called Designing Your Life, okay? Designing Your Life, and this is essentially something that has taken me quite some time. I didn't actually know what designing your life was. I didn't think it was actually possible, okay? So most people, you know, I, I'm not incorrect in saying that most people don't think they can actually design their life or maybe they can only design portions of their life and not their entire life. They feel that some circumstances that are set in the ways of a relationship in their wealth, in their health, in their who they are, their thinking, their mentality, their smartness. Yes, there's abilities that uh, we haven't cultivated, say athletic performance to be an NBA player or the ability to code like a you know top programmer at an app. You know, there's areas that we have our strengths, but the thing is, if we have a weakness, we unfortunately say that because we have a weakness that we can't either turn it into a strength or that we rely on that weakness and we make excuses why we can't do things because of a weakness. So if I have a weakness where I know I'm not going to make it to the NBA playoffs, okay, that's not really a weakness because I know I'm not going to do it. And that's easy to say. But the thing is, people say, well, I wasn't born to be, you know, gregarious. I wasn't born to be a salesperson. Perfect. You don't have to be. Or I wasn't born rich. Understandable, but you can learn how to be rich. You can learn how to be in a good relationship. That's essentially what I want to actually not only cultivate in life, but that's going to be my whole life mantra is my mission in life is to make learning cool. In other words, if you're not good at something, you have the ability to change it. You have the ability to say, okay, I want to design my life holistically. That's a big undertaking. But if you break it down and you say, okay, let's start with finances. Okay. Within finances, that branches out to what's my income. Okay. I think I need to start increasing my income. How do I increase my income? Is it the job I'm at? Is it passive income that I can get? And by the way, passive income isn't really passive. It, you, passive income is active income. I can't, I can't just put a tenant into an income-producing home and that tenant lives there forever and there's no problems with the home. You know, I have to find a new tenant. I have to replace a lot of things within the house because it's going to start breaking down. Maybe the facade, the boiler, the roof the doors, the flooring, maybe the tenant's not paying. That's active. That still takes time. And if you actually give someone else to do it, it's not fully a passive because you have to check in with that person. Who's managing it? Is it the broker or management company? So though the book says life, I implore you every two years, and it sounds like a big undertaking to say every two years, but every single two years you take in a take on a new area of your life. So in my 20s, it was just a basic foundation, a basic foundation. It wasn't even a foundation. It was actually just cutting through all of the negative and permutations of awful thinking, just victim thinking thinking that life is happening to me, I can't change. And then from there I said, "Oh, okay, here are all of these examples. You know, here here's a here's a a great way, you know, I was watching I am not your guru, which is on Netflix. That's Tony Robbins. And on that he says, "I created this person. I created who you're looking at." You know, I said it yesterday on my live, which was I was home for Mother's Day. Actually, no, I, I actually said it to this this girl last night. Um, I, I was home for Mother's Day and my mom was saying, you know, she's, she said, you have a gift. You know, you have this gift that you can give to the world. And as much as I want to say it's a gift, I was not that way. For 24 years of my life, I was not that way. So it's not, it's so then I I replied, I said, I cultivated this person. I created this person. I designed the person that you see in front of you. And she said, well, it was inside of you. And I thought about that and I said, okay, I can agree with that is that we have it inside of ourselves at all times. 
We can be uncovering, you know, a lot of these books like Letting Go that I'm going to be doing in the future, Untethered Soul, any of these philosophical Eastern philosophies, say Buddhism, is that it's more about uncovering rather than either replacing or bringing more on. So they call it attachment. They call it where you are attached or it's your identity. It's it's clinging to your job or your your spouse or your kids. Your identity is wrapped up in all of these things and then that creates who you are. But in the future, what if you get divorced or what if you leave your job or what if something happens and your kids are like, listen, uh, we want to do so. Do you still identify with that? Do you still cling to it? So really designing your life is taking each area of your life. And the way that I have my notes right here on my computer is that the way they started out is that we have dysfunctional beliefs. Okay. Dysfunctional beliefs is I can't, it's not for me. Any kind of thinking that would stop us to even question, even question if we can change, even question. That's the first step of AA. I am an alcoholic admitting that I have a problem in my income. I have an issue. That's not bad. That's not bad. People have this, you know, you'll go on an Instagram account and they say, everyone is beautiful. Everyone is amazing. Everyone, everyone is special. If the person doesn't believe that, it doesn't matter how many times I could tell someone that. They they don't believe it themselves. So they have a dysfunctional belief. So one example is of a dysfunctional belief is that you are successful, you will be happy. I would say that's probably the, the most prevalent in society right now is that if you are successful, you will be happy, Okay. I I cannot I I can't stress how how that does not necessarily cor, uh, correlate. Yes, sometimes it does. The more successful you become, confident there's growth. It feels good, and you feel good, and you feel happy, which is all fleeting emotions that we're putting on an event or an identity. I am the president of this company. I am happy. No, you cultivate happiness. So the reframe is true happiness comes from designing a life that works for you. Wow. Can we just say that again? True happiness comes from designing a life that works for you. Okay, so Patrice O'Neill, he's a, a comic that unfortunately passed away many years ago. And he has something he said in a relationship or when you are talking with someone that you could become in a relationship with them, the number one thing you should be thinking about is your happiness. Because if you do everything for everyone else and you truly are not happy for just pleasing everyone else, not only is it a disservice to them, but you are living into unhappiness by thinking just giving will make you happy, okay? Yes, giving does make you successful and everything else. The biggest problem I had to overcome was actually saying, I'm open to receiving. I, I was actually saying it to the girl last night. I said, I don't like compliments. And she explained it, and I understand, but one of the biggest things for me is not only being open to a compliment, but not pushing it away because I do have a problem of always thinking of growth. How do I get better? Okay, I reached here. How do I get better? I reached here. How do I get better? So for me, I am designing my life. And ironically enough, I am happy because I'm designing my life that works for me. And you will have to say no. There's a there's a great book out there I, that I want to get into. I sort of started reading it, but I was completely immature uh, mentally when I started it, and it's it's called Boundaries. Okay, and the entire book is is talking about creating boundaries, why they're necessary, and how to enforce them. And it's many years. It's it's probably a couple decades since it was written, probably in the 90s, and it is 
a book that is necessary for all of us because we feel that we can do, I said it yesterday, I don't have the book in front of me right now, but the book yesterday essentially said everything we needed to know, which was if we actually want to create boundaries, we have to create boundaries on our priorities or our goals, okay? We can't go after five goals at the same time. Yes, health. I can have a goal today, run 35 minutes. But my goal isn't run, bike, swim. That's when I'm racing. My goal today isn't, uh, you know, if I'm reaching out to clients, it's not reach out to clients, plus do a video, plus cold call, plus follow up with all my old leads, plus follow up with new leads. By the end, end of the day, yes, you may be cultivated business, but that is so many goals that you can't sustain so many goals. So in business for that day or health for that day or in your relationship for that day. So it's it's moment to moment. I think that's one of the most necessary things to get into my brain and everyone else's that an, an emotion is fleeting. And when we're choosing when we're not choosing our happiness, when we're going to a job we're not happy with, when we're in a relationship we're not happy with, when, we're, when we have a body we're not happy with, okay? It doesn't matter how many people say, you should be happy, you are special, you are amazing. You're not cultivating that. It is a false premise. It was six, six pillars of self-esteem that essentially, personally, I felt debunked the this the 1960s into the 70s movement of the self-esteem culture which is everyone is special everyone is amazing okay i feel everyone is special if they cultivate their gift okay or if you want to go back to biblical times they called it a talent a talent is a gift not i'm giving you a gift but a gift that you unearth within yourself Okay, I cannot stress enough, and I'll get into this. I have a lot of notes on this thing. That it is really uncovering yourself through pain, through suffering to get to the bottom. David Goggins talks about this and can't, can't hurt me. He goes, you have to uncover. You have to just reveal your deepest, deepest, deepest insecurities and that is you know uh, this is probably one of the better examples is so recently some girl that I was seeing and I had a great time with her she texted me she said listen you you know you've been flaking on dates recently or flaking to see her and that you haven't been transparent with the communication I've given you everything and ironically enough I thought about it, and when you get older and your relationships get very mature, you understand that, okay, maybe this is a person because she accepted my not so, um, not dark, but the, per the side of your personality that you hide from others, okay? We all have it, okay? So I, I don't know if it was Joseph Campbell that talked about the shadow or it might have been before then. It was probably before then. The shadow, okay? The shadow is something that nobody sees, okay? You have two types of shadow. You have the shadow that you don't even know you're aware of. So that could be that you secret and in a shadow that you know of. So I'll, not the so I'll talk about the shadow that we are aware of. That shadow could be you secretly want someone to fail or you secretly want the world to get destroyed or you secretly wish the worst upon someone but in person, hey, or you're liking their photos or you're commenting on them but secretly you're like, yeah, I hope they fail. That's the shadow, okay? So when you actually start uncovering your shadow, you start going into a world of ego-less, ego-less, because what happened was through 20 years of my life, I really didn't really get into a relationship. I turned right around 2021, 20, and the captain of the cheerleading team said through other people when I was in college 
And she, everyone wanted to date her. She was amazing. You know, great. Uh, ironically enough, I was texting with her a couple of days ago. But it's been, you know, 10, 15 years since I've seen her. But I wish her well, she, you know. But everyone wanted to date her. And then it came down to the line that she actually had a crush on me. And I didn't believe it. I'm like, how can this girl who has options in the entire school, literally everyone wants to date her, she likes me. Why would she want, why would she like me? Like what, what's, I don't understand that. So what happened was up until age 20, I was cultivating this, I'm not good enough. Why would someone that's at a higher echelon, you know, which is all made up, it's all contrived in her mind, um, why would she like me? So we started dating and everything else. Guess what I did? Because I was still in ego, I self-sabotaged myself, broke up with her, and it could have been amazing. We were having an amazing time. And I just, whatever reason, I just broke up with her. You know, how many times are we in a relationship or we're in a job or we're making, say, a check of $1,000 come down or a big bonus comes down and then you just spend all of it? Oh, I don't deserve it. You just spend all of it. I'm in great shape. I'm going to sabotage my body by eating incorrectly or stop going to the gym. How many times do we do that? I did it with my health. That, those, exact re, those exact examples are actually from me, okay? So recently, so fast forward 14 years, and this girl texts me, and she says, hey, listen, I think we should just stop seeing each other. You've been pulling on my heartstrings. You haven't been transparent, and you've, you've flaked a couple of times. Just You just kept on pushing out days that we were going to hang out. And... I was going to, and then she said she was going to block me on everything. And she did. She blocked me on everything. And then I couldn't, so I couldn't message her back on, she sent it through Instagram. Uh, so text message, I was going to send her a text. And um, I thought about it and I said, you know, everything good in your life, you've been pushing away. Everything good in your life, you've been pushing away because... This is most important because if you get it and you lose it, this is very important. You already know what I'm going to say. But if you, it's better not to get it than get it and lose it. That was very profound because even what I just said was not even attached to what I was thinking about when I contact, contacted her about you know, her breaking this off. You know, it wasn't really a relationship, but we were seeing each other for many months um, and we just enjoyed each other's company. So it's better to not get something than get something and lose it. So the mature, egoless person says, you know what? I would rather get something, have that something and have and then lose it. You know, David R. Hawkins talks about it in letting go, you know, check this book out, book review that I'm going to be doing. Very important pages of notes. That's probably going to be a two hour podcast or broadcast, whatever you want to call it. So I, so instead of texting her back, I had this great thing where I took full ownership. I said, I'm at the center of this. I am glad I'm at the center of this because that means I'm going to take complete uh, ownership over this. I totally fucked up. And I apologize. And I don't see this as a hindrance to us cutting it off. We can easily get through this. I am an agent of change. Okay. I'm an agent of designing my life. And I know I'm riffing on this thing, but this is all about designing your life because it sounds amazing. It sounds like we're going to go into Photoshop and design our life and then save that image. And then it's designed. It's not how it is. It's designing. It's an act. It's 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 a fluid action. It's a continuous motion. Okay, I that's what bothers me most. I'll get back into that example. What bothers me the most is that when something happens, they feel that's it. I got this new home I'm representing in real estate. That's it. I'm giving up. Or I just got this big paycheck. I'm I'm done. It's No, it's designing. Okay, now you have that paycheck. What do you want to do with it? Do you want to invest in it, in the stock market, in real estate? Do you want to buy yourself something? Do you want to put in savings? Do you want to keep it in cash? Do you want to reinvest it into your business? Do you want to hire someone else? Is designing your life. So 
when that check comes through, I have a business plan of what I want to do. This year, because of obviously the virus, the biggest thing is it you not only adapt, but you cut down your business plan to about two to three sentences. Maintaining XYZ income, maintaining XYZ health, maintaining XYZ relationship. That's it. Maintain. We're in maintaining. Me personally, I'm in rapid growth, not where you can tangibly feel business coming my way, but I know that as other, I thrive on people that are negative. I thrive on people that are uh, either doubt me or doubt what's going on. And I go, this is a perfect time to take advantage of it. So instead of texting her, I said, listen, because at the end of the text, I said, we had a great thing for many months. I don't want to, I don't want to fucking lose this over whatever. So I called her. We had a great conversation. And this is the most important thing about the whole situation is I said, because of you, I became vulnerable to a point I've never become vulnerable in my life ever. And it's scary because I actually like you. And I haven't said that in a decade to a girl. Ah, that's in, that's incorrect. Uh, probably eight years, seven years. It's been a while. And it's not like I haven't had girls in my life. It's just when she accepts your shadow, which is essentially something that you're not willing to explore. Why do I wish someone bad? Why do I wish they fail or collapse? Why? Do, why? It has something to do with you and your ego, Okay. So that's all about designing your life because an opportunity like that appears into your life, a great relationship, a great job, you know, anything. Then you could self-sabotage yourself and then you say, good, good. I don't have to go through the, the heartache of leaving that job or collecting that money or putting that home on the market or getting that body and everyone admires it or getting into a relationship I really like, okay? And then... If you actually lift up and let go and you design your life and say, this is actually what I want in my life is someone who accepts me, not for the charismatic person, but it's the, 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 the insecurities that I show that we all have, you know? So that's a dysfunctional belief to a reframe. And the reframe here is true happiness comes from designing a life that works for you. That's very powerful. So I'll, I'll continue because I know that was just a massive 20-minute rant or 40-minute rant. I have no idea. Designers don't think their way forward. Designers build their way forward, okay? I've said this so many times is that law of attraction, okay? What are the last five letters? Action. Okay, I, I'm sick and tired of people that are wishing things or that don't even have a business plan. They don't even have a business plan. They don't even know what they want to do. So they're not even thinking their way forward. How do you design? How do you build, as they say, how do you build your way forward if you don't even know? You have no idea. You just pushed a boat into the ocean. There's, you have a sail and you have a rudder but you don't have a map. You don't know where you're going. You just say, okay, we'll just, wherever the wind takes me, this is great. Okay. Oh. So what, one, of the, one of the biggest things is you have to look at your life. I'll give you an example. Okay. You have to look, I'm 34. I'm turning 35 in July. Okay. So I'm turning 35. The biggest thing is that I know within the next seven years, I'm going to want a spouse or at least someone that I'm probably going to marry, you know, whether it's after the seventh year, because once I start reaching 42, 43, 44, options start getting a little bit limited, you know, in other words, 
me going to a bar at 44 as opposed to, you know, maybe, you know, because there are so many single people, maybe there's going to be a trough of people, which I do truly believe there's going to be a trough of uh, single people when we're older. And that will be brought up during this book review, which is The Way the Superior Man by David Data. And I know at 43, 44, I can't fight nature. Okay, so I'm going to want to have a kid right around then, 44, 45, okay? But I also know that at in seven, eight years, there's going to be another real estate height. And then over those two years, so 28, 2028, 20, 2029, sometime in that period, historically, it happens every decade, okay? Charles, how do you know this? Ray Dalio talks about it all the time. He, he studied the markets for the last 500 years. Every single downturn he studied. Why did it happen? Over leverage of some kind of debt or financing that somebody couldn't pay back. And then it just started a collapse. And then the card, the stack of cards went down. So because I, at, I am at least thinking my way forward, which is... He wants to have an idea of his spouse within the next seven years, and he knows he needs to build his business, and he needs to be healthy up until then. What is going to be sacrificed? What is going to be sacrificed? So designers don't think, I'm thinking my way forward. Designers build their way forward. So what am I building, okay, health-wise? I'm building good habits to go to bed at, at night, to wake up early to get to the gym because that fuels my relationships that I'm going to probably put third in line and then my business, which I'm going to put number one in line, okay? It's actually going to be health and business. Like they're pretty much the same thing. I can't put one above the other. I'm going to, it's, it's, it, it correlates, okay? So if I know that, I have to design, how am I going to meet a girl over the next seven, eight years? How am I going to meet that person? Like, what am I going to do? Okay, well, I don't want to drink during the weekdays. And if I do, I'll limit it to one glass of wine on a date or one glass of beer on a date. Okay, I'm not going to go out and get slaughtered because that's not my priority. But I want to design that into my life. I need to build that into my life. That is the way to look at it. Prioritization of your goals and it continuously changes. When my business is stable and I have a wife and kids and I'm 50 years old, I'm not going to be coming in doing cold calls. That's not my, I'm going to design my life that at 50, I'm going to be stable enough. I've built a business that I'm now using leverage of other people because that means I would have been in the game for, you know, 20 plus years, 24, 25 years in the game I mean in real estate. All right. That was two of my books going into the trash can. Dysfunctional belief. I should know where I'm going. Okay. Reframe. I won't always know where I'm going but I can always know whether I'm going in the right direction. This, my friends, stops everyone from taking action. I should know exactly where I'm going. I should know exactly what I say, when to say it, how to say it, when I cold call. I know exactly what to work out, how, to, how long and how intense to work out. No, you go to the gym, you study how to work out, you study the right way to run. I've, I've seen... 50 videos on running, minimum, 100 videos. Why? Because I want to build my life so I don't have hip problems. I don't have knee problems. I don't have back problems. So what did they say? You have a way to actually run. And when you're not running, you have to do two things. You actually have to do a lot of things. But most importantly is you have to hydrate a lot. You have to have your muscles, your joints, your ligaments all lubricated or else that's where you you tight, you tight have a tight back or you pull a muscle or you strain something and then you're off that or you, which is even worse, is I, my right side hurts so then I compensate and now my left side hurts but it's not my left side, it was actually my right side. 
And the second thing is besides hydrating, which I cannot stress enough, we don't, we don't hydrate enough by far. You know, I was, I was, I was home for mother's day and I was like, mom, you got to right when you wake up glass, big glass of water. Midway through the morning, right after breakfast, big glass of water. Right after breakfast or right after lunch, big glass of water. Right before dinner, big glass of water. Right after dinner, big glass. That's six, seven glasses of water. I have at least a gallon a day. Right now, it's it's a lot less because I'm not at work all the time. And when I'm at work, I'm drinking like a lot of these. I'm drinking at least three or four of them, depends. Um, which is amazing because you sweat everything out. Your body is able to get all of the toxins out, whether it's through your skin, through sweating, or you pee it out, and it keeps your whole body lubricated so when you're actually running and exercising, you're not pulling something, and it doesn't hurt, it's not strained. And then on top of that, because I want to play with my kids in the future, is I want to, I stretch every night. I have this seven-minute stretch. It's super easy. It's it's not over the top, um, but I highly recommend you do that, all right? And the reason, so this is another thing, you know, I've talked about it before, is that when you see someone, you know, say you don't like someone, okay? Say you don't like a pol- say you don't like Donald Trump or Andrew Cuomo or Hillary Clinton or say you don't like your boss or you say you don't like your neighbor, okay? Or there's something that you see that you'd want in the future that's different from them. Don't look at that and just dismiss them. Look at it and say, what of that would I not want? Here's an example. I'm growing up and my neighbor is a total asshole, okay? And I had something to do with that, but he, was, he has anger problems. His kids are frightened of him. His wife obeys him because we don't want to anger him because he's going to blow a gasket. There was times that he was outside in the backyard literally yelling, who the hell are you yelling at? Just yelling. So I looked at that and I said, I, I know I don't like him, but what about that? Okay, I don't, I don't want to get to the point where I can't handle my emotions. I have to work on that. And I had anger issues too. So I need to be able to work on that because I want to have a healthy relationship with my kids and my wife. Here's another example. I, uh, my friend's father, uh, grossly obese. He's not even overweight. He's grossly obese. Okay, he wasn't able to, when he was in his 50s, play with his kid. He's still alive now, which is incredible. That was 20, 30 years, 20 something years ago. I looked at that and I said, I want to be able to play with my kid. So I have to design my life based on something else. I don't look at that and be like, oh my God, he's morbidly obese. I look at that and I just say, I don't want that. I don't want to be that person. You know, good for him that he unfortunately did not, you know, Good that his kid's good and everything else, but I don't want to be that person. All right, continuing on. We understand, Charles. Dysfunctional belief. Work is not supposed to be enjoyable. That's why they call it work. Work is not supposed to be enjoyable. Reframe. Enjoyment is a guide to finding the right work for you. Okay? You know, I'm going to continue on because it's been God knows how long I've been I've been blabbering. And, you know, one of the biggest things that I would say is with this, I've had I had I, you, you already know how many jobs I've had, you know, started caddying, worked in engineering, had a marketing job, did door to door sales, mowed lawns. Uh, I had an eBay business. I was a um, I also mowed, mowed lawns, landscaped, did um, was a waiter, was in finance. What is that? 10 jobs. That that doesn't even include the amount of probably like one-offs that I had, you know, one week, two weeks. In other words, when someone says, Charles, how do I find that passion? How do I find my job? You have to try as many as you can. How do I find that relationship? You have to date as many people as you can. I'm not saying you have to go to bed with them, but you have to go and understand what you like because you can't design something. You don't know what you like. You know, it's for me, I never liked running. I never liked swimming. Why? Because I thought of it as monotonous. When I reframed it after David Goggins can't hurt me, which I'm actually dipping back into it, you know, slightly 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there. It's just always a good kick in the ass to get. And he said, 
that you have to go to that deep, deep, dark point of your soul where you want to give up, where you're done, you're tired, you're exhausted, and you keep on going. That for me was Iron Man Louisville. Iron Man Louisville, I already did 112 miles on my on this very challenging course, and it was very hot out. And then I had to then get off my bike and run a marathon. Okay. My coach was there, and it was four loops of the course. Do you understand how ch- there's nothing new? You know exactly what to expect. You know exactly the shitty hills and the and the downclines and the declines that you have in the pavement. That sucks. It is truly mental. And my coach was there, and she and she goes, "How are you doing?" I said, "I can't. I'm on mile 12." And all I've been hearing is at mile 18, you zonk. At mile 20, you're dead. The last four miles are the hardest. So I'm sitting there. I can't. I'm depleted in nutrition because if I put anything else, anything on my tongue, I will throw it up. If it is not water, I will throw it up. And I just, you know, anyone that's done endurance sports, you know that feeling is that you're done. You can't you cannot consume. Your body says no. No, we're we're done. So, I'm on mile 13 and I'm jogging past my coach and she goes she's jogging along she's like how are you doing? How are you doing? And she was giving updates to my parents. And I said I I can't retain anything. She goes what about pretzels? I'm like, I can't retain pretzels. I can't, I can't put any solids in me. She goes, oh shit. I go, yeah. She goes, all right, it's time to dig deep. And that's when literally a switch flips. The reframe became do not stop. You know, some people say keep on going because that's positive. Mine was do not stop. Whatever you do, run, jog as slow as you can. Jog as slow as you can. Do not stop. And I ended up jogging a eight minute and 40 second marathon after a 112 minute bike. And I was shocked. I was shocked. I'm getting the chills thinking about it because what happened was this is that I saw running as not enjoyable. I saw swimming as not enjoyable. I didn't see it as enjoyable because of the monotony. With biking, you have up and downs, you're going fast, the scenery, it's enjoyable, it's beautiful, you're going fast, you know, you can go really far. With jogging, it takes you hours to get anywhere. (laughs) You know, 26 miles, it takes you four hours to get anywhere, five hours. So I reframed it into mental toughness, which bled into my business which then bled into my relationships, which was the hardest thing for me to change. And it will bleed into my finances. All right, this is, and we'll start wrapping this up because I know you guys are probably falling asleep. Um, Reframe, okay? No, actually, this is a better part, is that have three alternative versions for the next three years, I'm sorry, the next five years of your life. Have five versions, okay? Personally, you have the, if everything went correctly, you have the, this would be amazing, and then the minimum standard to your life. The minimum standard to your life is your boundary. That's your baseline. That's your red line. That, that, that is where you draw the line where you say, you know what? That second glass of wine isn't as important with my date as waking up, going to the gym, and going to work and crushing work. Because I know, you know, well, it's in the trash, but, you know, I'll grab it out. The way the superior man, they talk about it is that, as you become more, so this is essentially it, you know, I'll, I'll probably repeat it when I, when I do the way the superior man, is that here it is. As a man goes to the top, he has more options. As a woman goes to the top, she has less options. So as a man goes to the top, he has everyone in the triangle, but because of Mother Nature, as a woman goes to the top, that could be through money, through fame, through attention. She only chooses from the top. So as I go to the top, I am actually increasing my options of women. Women that would never give me the time of day are now messaging me back because they noticed that I'm able to get through this tough time 
which, you know, if we think this is tough, go to 50 million people dying from the Spanish flu, uh, you know, 100 million dying from World War II, you know, 70 million dying from World War II or whatever it was, and millions more from World War One. you know, let's be honest for a second. All right, continuing on. I'll, I'll leave it with these last couple of points. The book of, uh, the paradox of choice is an issue. So the paradox of choice, which I haven't read, it's at home, I will read it. But the main gist, which they talk about in this, is that when you have too many options, number one is you don't make a choice, number one. Number two, so in other words, if you're looking for a home and there's 70 homes, you go, oh my God, there's 70 options? I'm not gonna buy. But if there's five, you'll buy. It's with anything. That's why Chipotle only has a couple of options on their menu. That's why every single restaurant is just going to what they're really good at. So there's not a paradox of choice. A paradox of choice is like going to the diner and you have five pages at font size 10 to get something or to eat something. So the way that they explain it, that it um, retains or it, it... you know, applies to designing your life is that Barry Schwartz, who wrote The Paradox of Choice, he informs us that as our brains and we make a decision, we always think of the decision we didn't make. So we actually have a, we feel we made the wrong decision because there were so many options, okay? So when we make a decision, as they explain here, When we make a decision in the face of too many options, we are less happy with our choice. The problem is not the options we had and didn't pursue. It's the mountain of object options we never even had time to check out. Oh my, I forgot how good that was. There's 60 options. You choose one of them. You now are unhappy because you'd never explored the other 59 options. But if you do as many dates as you can, it's like the person that gets married at age 18 and then they go through their 20s meeting all these new wonderful people. It's not that you are settling. It's just that you are actually going on dates. You're not just looking at girls and thinking of the greatest thing. Okay, you're not looking at jobs and thinking, oh my God, I wish I had that job. You're not looking at money and saying, I wish I had all that money. You're saying, I went on 60 dates or 50 dates or 20 dates, whatever. I went on 20 dates. I know roughly what I'm looking for. For me, I know exactly what I'm looking for and it's gonna change, okay? There is a mindset, there is an aura, there's an energy there's her background, there's what she wants. There's a lot of things, but the only reason I got to that point is because I went on so many dates and I said, I like that, I don't like that from that person, I like that, but I don't like that from that person. And you're essentially putting together this this design that you can now build on and filter through. So if someone says, I don't go to the gym, she's not for me. I hate my job, she's not for me because she's just gonna complain. And it also just shows her mentality is, I'm willing to settle, you know, or I don't have a good job, but I'm, I, my job defines me and I'm unhappy. There's people that go to a job they don't like, but are still happy because they say it pays the bills or I'm looking for another one, or I'm just building up to become something else or to start my own company. Okay. It is not the event. It's what you think of the event. It is not what happens to you. It's what you It is the label or the meaning you put to that. So we always think I didn't have this, I wasn't able to pursue all these other options, so I'm just gonna stay in my job for 25 years. Terrible thinking. All right, so I think you guys get it. Designing your life is something that I did without even knowing it. I had no idea that I was doing this. I had no idea. And then I read this book and I said, that's exactly what I was doing. And I'll leave you with this is, so it's an amazing, highly recommend you watch this series. It's, I think it's put out by the History Channel. Yeah, it's put out by the History Channel. It's, it's 
Frontiersmen or the men who, yeah, the men who built America Frontiersmen. Highly recommend you check it out. It is amazing what these men went through. And I forgot who actually commissioned the Lewis and Clark. Um, I'm blanking on his name, but I see his face. And he wanted to go west. I think it was Jefferson. He wanted to go west. And all they had was a compass and a and the tools to go west. Okay? Does that sound familiar? So you have a direction and you have the ability, you have the tools to go forward, to live on the land, to build yourself shelter, to get water. They didn't, they didn't have a map, though. And that is, that is essentially the conclusion of this book, is that the map is not in front of you, but you need to have the tools, which is personal development, and a direction. And the direction is, I have an idea of where I want to go. I had no idea that I'm going to be doing live YouTube book reviews 10 years ago when I started this. But I knew I wanted to do YouTube. I had no idea the type of girl that I was going to be liking. But I knew my ability to understand what I like along with an actual direction, which is I have to go out on dates to understand that. And then the map, which is her, will be laid out. And it is being laid out. But you have to take action. You have to build your life. There's a couple more. I have a document. It's about 26 pages of all the books that I've read. It's actually going to be longer because I have uh, a lot more that I'm going to add to it. Um, but I, I think I'm going to put that on iCharles.com. That is not my priority at all. Everyone's always asking me for book options and reviews. The easiest thing is just go to Amazon, look up the genre that you like and then look at who has the most reviews that's the easiest way to do it because i can't i can't tell you hey listen read simon sinek if you don't give a shit about leadership or uh infinite game or something like that or this which is called built not born you know no it's it's not for everyone so i don't know why i just added that in but we'll just go see if there's any uh questions i'm glad everyone's watching this friday 1 p.m uh, would you do a video dedicated to your note-taking process for books? Tom Bayou said when he sold Quest, he had a billion put in his bank, and at the moment, he still felt the same person. Yeah, that's actually a really, really good uh, point by Chris London. Uh, yeah, uh, Tom, you know, I, I look at him, ironically enough, I look at someone, you know, if you want me to be honest, is that I look at someone like Joe Rogan, who had an amazing opportunity interviewing Elon Musk and I'm looking at those questions he asked and you just sit there and you just say oh my god you know if I had Elon Musk in front of me the amount of questions that I would have whether it has to do with physics whether it has to do with his simulation which we he believes we're in whether it has to do with SpaceX which I know a ton about and Tesla which I know a ton about yeah or Tom, which is great, but I feel like there is a disconnect between the a really good interviewer and someone to give them this. The, you have to have knowledge, good questions, and the comfort to allow a good dialogue. And to be honest, that's where I'm going to come in, is that in 15 years when I'm interviewing, uh, you know, Tony Robbins, you know, Ray Dalio. You know, all these guys, it's going to be it's going to be a lot better, to say the least. I get frustrated at either surface level questions or not digging deep or or reading the interviewee. You know, Elon Musk, there was tons of times to ask him what he thought about the actual COVID-19, what he actually thought about the future of Tesla, SpaceX, you know, instead of surface level, which was how fast his roadster is going to go you know, which is insane, zero to 60 under three seconds. That is, there's no car that's ever come that close. Uh, production car that's ever come that close. I don't even know what would even come close to that. Under three seconds. That is crazy. That's technology that's never been introduced to the world. And he is just unbelievable at that. Uh, taking supplements. You know, what's funny is that I started actually looking back at, I have supplements in my, uh, ironically enough, last week I started taking them out. I I was eating so healthy that I was getting it naturally. 
and, you know, vitamin D from the sun because I was always out exercising. I was always out. Uh, vitamin C, you know, pretty much everything, you know, iron, protein I was getting, you know, calcium, potassium. Potassium I could have been doing better. You know, greens, I was eating a salad. You know, I was functioning on all cylinders. Then I started noticing that my body was not functioning on all cylinders because of way more sedentariness, way less walking, way less exercising. And that's when I just said, I think I want to start uh, getting back into supplements uh, until this is over, which is probably going to be three weeks in New York City. Anyway, I'll be back tomorrow and hopefully we'll have a, uh, not hopefully, but we will have another book, maybe Infinite Game by Simon Sinek or Lead the Field by Earl Nightingale, which is an absolute unbelievable book you know i i cannot stress it is only about what is this the pdf is probably online but i need to take notes you know you could well you can't really see it but you could see some some notes right there um and then yeah the video for taking notes to go to chris's is pretty straightforward whatever hits me it's what i'm gonna circle that's the way it should be i'm always I need to read physical pages because when I'm listening to an audiobook, it's not as powerful. I need to physically see it. So I buy the book and I buy the audio. It's expensive, yes, but the amount of money that I'm going to make in return from books is substantially more than a $30 book plus audiobook. You know, what is audiobook $13 plus the book, another $10, $23. And if I get one idea that makes me a sale worth 15 grand, invest in yourself. Okay. The, the, you know, what I could say is hierarchy is number one, books, a very good YouTuber because they take quite some time to actually edit the videos, probably podcasts. And then anything else. Don't go with articles. Don't go with just Instagram posts. Yeah, maybe read through it. But books, you spend years cultivating the knowledge. And then you put, take, and then it could take another couple of years to actually write the book. All right. So I put more weight in books than anything else. So I, I have a lot of books that I'm going to be uh, doing reviews for. So you guys are uh, definitely lucky. <laughs> At my cost. <laughs> nah, what are you going to do? I don't give a shit. You know, it's part of the podcast. All right, guys, having an amazing day. I'll talk to you guys soon.